Wir haben so vieles geschafft, wir schaffen das. Ich freue mich sehr, heute hier in Deutschland zu sein. Transatlantic Alliance is back and we are not looking backward. We are looking forward together. Unsere Meinung ist, dass Nord Stream 2 fertiggestellt werden sollte. The fact that Germany is doing better so far makes one humble, not overconfident. Es ist ernst. Nehmen Sie es auch ernst. Hello and welcome to Neuschland. I'm William Glucroff. And I'm Kate Brady. Alles klar? You're ready for the new rules? No, I am not ready for the new rules. I am confused by the new rules. And these rules really did sneak up on us this week. So these are just in Berlin, the just new Berlin. rules that we're talking about. Between 9 p.m. and 5 a.m., we're only allowed to be outside either on our own or with one other person. Because I love roaming around the city on my own at 3 o'clock in the morning. And then from Tuesday the 6th, same rules apply. But on an evening between those non-curfew hours, there is a visiting ban, meaning that you are not allowed to visit anyone outside your household unless they are a partner. And I think specifically in the rules I read, marital partner or life partner. Question. Do Tinder dates count? Uh, let's see how liberally those those titles of various partners are applied in the next few weeks. And let's see how well Berlin can actually enforce these rules. But during the day, though, a lot of things are still open, aren't they? So a few weeks ago, we didn't see the emergency break really pulled. That annoyed Angela Merkel. Instead, some things are still open. Non-essential shops, a handful of museums. But you can only go if you have a negative test result from that day. And a lot of those places with the negative test result, you need to book an appointment to go. It's funny you should mention that as we had a very concerned listener contact us this week from Bonn in Western Germany with a linguistic pandemic issue. Right, you can guess what this is about. Click and meet. Why is it called that? Where's that come from? Apparently at home, that the concept isn't there, that you, you can't even do termine shopping. But even if you could, it wouldn't be called click and meet, because that doesn't make any sense. That sounds like a dating app. So where have they got this from? Click and meet. But you're not meeting anybody. Call it click and shop, if you must, or Click and come, you know, with, with a K, click and come. Also works, but click and meet. It's honestly, it's just the latest example, but this one seems to have spread like absolute wildfire. It's incredible, it's on pretty much every shop. Everyone's talking about it. Dust click and meet, as if it's a thing. Honestly, it's up there with public viewing, but in rapid time. I don't get it. Yes, the now famous click and meet if you want to go into a shop. It has no meaning and leaves native English speakers who also speak German and live here wondering where that came from. Of course, German is a wonderful language with many words of its own to describe many things and yet has a penchant and a history for bringing in foreign words, particularly English words, to describe things that don't really mean what they think it means. And I think there's two different types of English words that sneak into German. So on the one hand, you have words like download, which has become downloaden, the word to download instead of herunterladen. 
or a really weird one I heard recently was gecolored instead of gefärbt for dyeing someone's hair. But then on the other hand, you have words and terminology that sound English, especially to Germans, but sometimes mean nothing to native English speakers. And now click and meet, I guess, can be added to that list, but it's definitely not the worst offender. Of course, everyone who lives in Germany knows things like handy, which is Hindi, <laughs> which of course means uh, your cell phone or your mobile phone, Beamer for a projector, which is funny because in the 1980s, I think Beamer was a cool word for a BMW. And of course, as we heard there in the voicemail message as well, public viewing. Yes, when I first came to Germany, it was actually a World Cup year and I was invited to some public viewings and I didn't realize that public hangings were still a thing here in Germany and I was very relieved to find out that actually that was not the case. No one brought out a corpse at halftime. No corpses, no gallows, fortunately. And I mean, just think of the trouble too that Germany's got into by using the word lockdown, the English word lockdown, all the way through the pandemic, using it from very early days of the pandemic when we saw increasingly tighter measures. So by the time that we got to anything that was remotely like a lockdown, it had kind of lost its meaning. So then we had to, we had to have harder lockdown. Lockdown light, lighter lockdown, lockdown soft. I... Just kidding, we're actually going back to the <laughs> harder lockdown that we said we were getting out of. And even home office, so working remotely or working from home, isn't really used in English-speaking countries. Anyway, my suggestion for click and meet would be termin shopping, which in itself has an anglicism in it. Nice to hear. So just when we thought we'd reached peak pandemic confusion in Germany a couple of weeks ago, federalism struck again this week, and Angie is not a happy bunny. Not a happy Easter bunny, you might say. And it's suddenly become very apparent that we're only about five months away from the federal elections, with CDU party leader and North Rhine-Westphalia state premier Armin Laschet and CSU party leader and Bavarian state premier Markus Söder really stepping up the pre-election amateur dramatics this week. So to get into all of that, we got on the phone to Munich this week to chat with political correspondent for Welt TV and Sat1 in Bavaria, Christina Lewinsky. Christina Lewinsky, welcome to Neuschland. Well, thanks for having me and servus from München. So it's been a week of back and forths. We were going to have a tighter Easter lockdown. Now there's going to be no tighter Easter lockdown. Safe to say there's a lot of confusion going on in Germany right now. It's hard to believe that's been just a little more than a week since the whole chaos and fallout of that meeting between Merkel and the leaders of Germany's 16 states. Christina, can you just go back for us a little bit and tell us what happened or what didn't happen? To start off yesterday, I received a message from my good friend who lives in New York and he texted me. He's like, Christina, what's going on in Germany? What kind of kindergarten <laughs> is this really? And I thought, yeah, that's kind of down to the point when people from the US already are following this chaotic week <laughs> and yeah so it started off last Monday when the 16 state leaders met again with Chancellor Merkel and it was like this marathon talk that took until two in the morning and then three in the morning we had the press conference right first off they decided on this Osterruhe which meant that things would have been closed completely and then it took 24 hours until the Chancellor actually apologized and they did kind of a U-turn. Merkel said, this is my mistake and my mistake alone. In the end, she went on to ask the public for their forgiveness. 
And there was a lot of criticism, wasn't there, for this decision? Um, I think it was something we've never seen before, right? And actually, Chancellor Angela Merkel standing in front of the press and calling it a mistake that was solely my mistake. That's what she said. And she said, I'm responsible for the decision regarding those resting days during the Easter vacation. They kind of saw on Tuesday, like after this marathon talk, that it would have caused a lot of problems, also legally, that you can't decide 10 days before to shut everything down, the supermarket markets and they learned about how like food supply chains um, chains for the supermarkets are going to break down and um, people said how can you not know that before i was quite amazed watching all of this that none of this was new there have been problems and criticisms of this format of Merkel meeting with the state leaders almost since the beginning of the pandemic why is this such a turning point only now. A chancellor apologizing is a turning point, and I think she also knows that um, ratings are going down for the union, so for the CDU CSU, and we're at the beginning of uh, this Bundestagswahlkampf with um, uh, the Bundestagswahl in September, and I think uh, that also led to her, to her decision. Also, Easter, I think, is a pretty important point for a lot of Christians in our country, right? Especially Bavaria, the church. I mean, uh, they were pretty amazed at how you wanted to shut down the churches for Easter Sunday. And there has been a lot of criticism on that. One of the biggest issues that actually drew out the last meeting for, you know, a good 12 hours was the squabbling, essentially, between the different state premiers over whether or not there should actually be um, more travel allowed and tourism permitted over the long Easter weekend. And the argument that, uh, that some of the state premiers kept pointing to was the fact that people can and are now over the long weekend going to what we love and know as Germany's 17th Bundesland, Germany's 17th state is <laughs> Mallorca. Mallorca. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's something nobody really understood, right? And first of all, they wanted to have no rules for Mallorca vacation at all, like no negative PCR test that you needed to come back or anything like that. And it was Marco Söder, first of all, who who said we need we need rules for at least um, yeah people on holiday coming back to Germany, and that's what they implemented now. Yeah. So since Tuesday, anyone coming in on a flight from outside Germany has to have a negative covid test when they arrive exactly and i think that's the least they could do um it's amazing i mean you can't go on holidays now in mecklenburg vorpommern on a camping platz right <laughs> for easter holidays or not to to go on any kind of vacation in your own state and bundesland but you can fly to mallorca in addition to angela merkel's apology was that she made an appearance on anavil this big primetime political talk show. Merkel is not known for doing a lot of media appearances. She usually defers to her spokesperson and to other officials and most famously just saying nothing at all and letting people fill in the gaps of what she's thinking and saying. What do you make of Merkel's appearance on Annaville? I mean, she's done this before, you know, on the exact same show at Anneville. And um, she always does it kind of, I think, when she feels that she's kind of losing control of the whole situation. And that, I mean, the last marathon talk, the roundtable, it showed that she doesn't really have that much control anymore. Um, and that's why she did it. And obviously with, with the outcome that everyone was talking about that, right, Monday morning. And so, yeah, she got what she wanted, I think, in the end. Could you explain to a lot of our listeners who don't live in Germany, who have the perception of Mac? being a very popular, beloved, very smart politician. She's been in power for so long, and yet 
she cannot seem to control or dictate policy in Germany. That's uh, our political system here in Germany, right? The, that's made up of the 16 uh, states. Um, and there are a lot of uh, fields of politics that each state can decide on their own. Um, biggest example, I think, is school politics, for example. And also now with the corona policies or politics, I think we see that our political system is in kind of state of a crisis um, because actually all the 16 states have to implement the rules by themselves you know and um in at these round tables they talk about uh, like one german policy on this but it's it's not working out very well because all the states have different regional um yeah um opinions about this and actually it's not one german corona policy but it's 16 different policies i think she can try to hold the whole group together but uh, obviously it's not working it worked quite well at the beginning of the pandemic and now it's starting to really lose itself so first you've got armin lashet cdu party leader who was elected into that position in january and he's also the state premier of north rhine westphalia germany's most populous state then you also have Markus Söder, the party leader of, uh, of the CDU's Bavarian sister party, the CSU, and he's also the Bavarian state premier. I think it's fair to say the elbows are coming out now. We're really seeing that we're getting exactly. closer and closer yeah. towards September's Bundestagswahl, the federal elections. And you've got Merkel, as you say, criticizing many of the state premiers for not pulling that emergency break, for not implementing the measures, perhaps to the extent that she'd have hoped. And actually, you know, highlighting Armin Laschet in particular. Also verstößt Armin Laschet gegen den Beschluss, den er mit ihnen gefasst hat. Es gibt mehrere Bundesländer, die Merkel at first tried to avoid answering whether party ally Armin Laschet is one of the state leaders going back on decisions made between her and state leaders. But when pressed on it, she said, yes, he is, though he's not the only one, and it doesn't make her very happy. And then you have Markus Söder saying, oh, well, I support what the Bundeskanzlerin, what Angela Merkel has said. Söder says it makes no sense to sit together for another conference, moaning and exchanging ideas when everyone ends up doing what they think is right anyway. Definitive decisions are needed, not a hodgepodge of solutions. And so we're quickly yes. seeing this divide between the two. What do you make of that? I think that the CDU and the CSU are working together is uh, not very likely in the next weeks, um, especially um, having this fight between Zuda and Laschet. And uh, until now, they kind of said, well, let's see what happens. And between Eastern and Finkson, we will decide on the um, who's going to be the candidate, right, for the CDU, CSU. And it always seemed... Because, kind of, of course, yeah, they we'll, always put a joint candidate together. The CSU, CDU exactly. is also known as yeah. the Union, and they decide on one uh, one candidate for the two parties. Exactly. And they always said, we're going to decide this after Easter. And then this fight kind of starts between Zuda and Laschet. And I think it's not very looking that good for, for Laschet. The CDU leader, I mean, Laschet, he's made it very clear that he would like to run um, to be chancellor. Zuda, we haven't heard an official confirmation from him yet. Now, you interview him how many times a week? What? One, yeah, once a week. <laughs> Feels like yeah. every day, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's your impression? Are we going to 
hear soon from Marcus Söder. The thing is, he can become chancellor on his own. He has to be asked, right? The union has to offer it to him. And maybe if we look back in 2001, we remember this famous breakfast between Merkel, um, back then CDU leader, and she offered the chancellorship to Edmund Stoiber, back then leader of mm -hmm. the CSU. And they met for this famous breakfast in Wolfratshausen, had some Weisbürst and, and talked about this. So I think if something similar happens now and Laschet comes to Nuremberg, and they have a couple of vice versa to Dan Laschet and Laschet says, look, Marcus, <laughs> Marcus, I don't have the strength, the power or the support of the people, whatever. Um, then Zuda would do it, I think. Um, but and now the but and that's that's a that's a pretty strong question. I think if the polls of the union, if they go down even further and right now they suggest that this will be the worst ever result for the for the conservatives. Right. Then mm -hmm. I don't. I don't, I'm not sure if he will take over a sinking ship. Then yeah. there's also that chancellor, does he risk that? And, you know, could he then run to be chancellor? And that could then maybe give the Conservatives a boost in the polls. You know, is that a risk he's willing to take? He does have the strength and also the leadership qualities that it needs. I mean, at least in the eye of the people. And he also has the ego for doing that. <laughs> Let's mm -hmm. be honest. How would you describe him? And what could we expect from him in terms of policy? Where does he stand? He has a very big ego. He's very ambitious. He's also very hardworking. And in Germany, we have this, or in Bavaria, we have this term saying, a fandal im a flag in the wind and that mm -hmm. he can cha quickly change also his style of politics and uh, it became very obvious in, in when he became prime minister of Bavaria in 2018 he kind of changed he appeared to be softer he opened up for green policies because he knew that the green party will be his biggest opponent for the Bundestag file and there's this famous picture where he hugs a tree in the garden of the um, state chancellor of Bavaria people were laughing on that and that's also what the critics kind of say that they criticize him for not following really his path, but um, depending on the mood of the population. Which is very Merkel-esque in a way, who's, she's also been said to be someone who leads from behind, takes a look at how things are going in public opinion and tends to shift. And what about at a European level? Where does he stand there? Laschet always presents himself as this staunch European. He's from Aachen, right on the Dutch-Belgian border, speaks fluent French. Um, you know, I think his family claims as well to be just a descendants of, of Charlemagne. Where does Zoda stand when it comes to German EU policy? Of course, he also presents himself as a as a big European. Um, but then when you look at the vaccination problem now, he said maybe Germany shouldn't rely so much on the EU. We should also look towards China, towards Russia with, um, with um, buying um, Russian vaccines. Let's put the CDU, CSU, K-Frage, the, the chancellor question, in the context of broader German politics, because you have other parties that need to pick their uh, chancellor candidates as well. The, the the SPD, the Social Democrats that are in currently in government with, with the CDU already has done that with Olaf Scholz, who's the vice chancellor. The Greens are also looking to figure out who's going to be their person at the top of the ticket. Does that play a role in the CDU, CSU's thinking and decision making? Well, I think the problem that they have now is that the polls show other coalitions are possible, right? And that really drives the unionists crazy right now. 
<laughs> because during the last years or Merkel era, it was always quite clear that the union will be the strongest or yeah, will be the, the chancellor. Of course, they now need like this, um, this candidate who can really be strong and lead the union towards September. That also shows, I think it comes down to personality and um, really not so much maybe an, on a program. It is wonderful you mentioned the P word, personality, because as much as we are all focusing on who's it going to be, that's not how German politics is supposed to work. Well, I think if you know how to use this, right, <laughs> or use personality politics, it's quite successful. And Zuda, I think he knows how to use this more than Leschet, also on how he portrays himself on social media. I mean, he's a very strong Twitter team, Instagram team, and everything goes live within minutes after the press conference. And he really knows how to connect with people and interact with people. Uh, that has changed, I think, also the, the importance of social media for our German politics and uh, the way he portrays himself online, for example. I'm going to ask a question. Who do you think <laughs> it's going to be? Who's going to be in the chancellery in September? We've an awful long way to go. We know. We don't even know who the candidates are for <laughs> any parties <laughs> except for the SPD. Oh, that's a tough question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as much as I think he's going to be the candidate, I don't think the union will win the Bundestagswahl or will be in the Kanzleramt uh, after September. Which, if true, it should be pointed out, would be the first time that Germany post-war is not led by a CDU or SPD chancellor. It'd be the first time another party is in power. Yes, it would be a, a turning point. And of course, I mean, now five, mo five months, that's a lot of time, uh, a long time in, um, in terms of Corona politics, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of stuff can happen. Yeah, we will see. Christina, thanks so much for joining us. Well, thanks so much for having me. Thanks. Well, we're finally here, the long Easter weekend that Angela Merkel originally wanted to shut down the country for. She didn't get what she wanted, but this Easter weekend is still being billed as a big turning point for Germany. This is going to be when everything turns around, when vaccinations really going to get ramped up, vaccines are getting into doctor's offices, the supplies are going to start flooding into Germany and everything this month is going to be fine. But on the actual long Easter weekend, vaccinations definitely aren't going to be ramped up, are they? No, uh, that's because at least seven states, maybe more, reported that they were going to be closing or significantly restricting the vaccinations they were giving out over this long Easter weekend. Remember, Friday, Sunday, and Monday are all public holidays in Germany. And there's a few smaller regions of Germany as well that actually haven't even been vaccinated on Sundays, generally speaking. That's right. Most of the states say... We're not getting enough supply to make it worth vaccinating on weekends or on Sundays or on holidays. We can get through all the appointments that we can during normal working hours during the week. There was a lot of criticism this week that maybe states were shutting down vaccination centers because they didn't want to pay the overtime or they just didn't want to have to interrupt their holiday plans. But at least officially what they're saying is the supply is not there. We're not going to have the appointments. That's not every state. For example, in Berlin, they vaccinate seven days a week from about 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. in their six vaccination centers. And they are planning on vaccinating all through Easter weekend. The hope after the Easter weekend is that the vaccine rollout will finally speed up. That is what we're told. Jens Spahn, the federal health minister, said that in April alone, we can expect more than 15 million doses of vaccine to get to Germany. And the plan is as many as 50,000 doctor's practices across the country are going to be participating in the vaccine 
effort. Now that breaks down, according to the federal association that is the representative of all these doctors' offices, to just 20 doses of vaccine per doctor's practice per week, maybe in the best case scenario, going up to 100 doses per office per week by the end of the month. And that, of course, is not the only spanner in the works. AstraZeneca, again, reared its ugly head. Wir müssen den Impfstoffen vertrauen können. Merkel said we have to be able to trust our vaccines, that's why we wait until every vaccine has been thoroughly assessed and meets requirements. We just can't catch a break with this vaccine. And so just a couple of weeks ago we had the temporary pause in administering AstraZeneca. And a couple weeks before that we were being told that it was only for people 64 and under. This week following the confirmation of 31 new cases of unusual blood clotting. In but Germany. The vaccine commission here in Germany, STIKO, adjusted its recommendation for AstraZeneca and the result, in short, was that it should only be administered to people over the age of 60. It should be noted that the EMA, the European Medicines Agency that oversees all of this, is sticking by its initial findings that the AstraZeneca vaccine is safe and effective and that the benefits far outweigh the risks. This is yet another challenge for German authorities now. They're trying to make sure that people keep the faith in AstraZeneca and that people still keep turning up for AstraZeneca vaccinations. So there's a big push now to start vaccinating people, especially between the ages of 60 and 69. And we saw that this week with the first prominent, most prominent member of the German state apparatus getting vaccinated. Yep, German President Frank-Walter Steinmeier got his first shot of the AstraZeneca vaccine this week, saying that he trusts the vaccine and that it is recommended for his age group. He is 65. Yeah, that makes him just a tick younger than Angela Merkel herself. A good boost for public confidence in the vaccine, specifically AstraZeneca. I was a little disappointed, however, that Steinmeier didn't go the way of the French health minister or the Greek prime minister, who kind of went the toga look by having to unbutton, having to unbutton their shirt uh, and kind of leave their chest exposed while they got um, their needle in their arm. Oh God, I don't know. Can you really see anyone shooting to become political heartthrob stasis in Germany? Isn't Krishna Linda already? God, let's hope that there's going to be some short sleeve guidelines like there were in the UK. Well, that's it for this week. Join us next time for the latest from the Schland. As always, don't forget you can find us and subscribe to us or leave us a review in all the usual places, as well as on the wonderful podcasting network, Bear Radio, where you can check out all sorts of other podcasts too. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at NeuschlandPod. Till next time, bleib gesund und mach's gut. Nice to have.